We're back. Another exciting episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions and the downloads. We're so fired up about the growth of our audience, the diversity in our guests and topics. Today's episode, again, is brought to you by our friends out of Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We just got back from Lynchburg, Tennessee, and I got to experience some awesome stuff. I just want to send a huge shout out and thank you to everybody in the Jack Daniels family for rolling out the red carpet and welcoming welcoming us with open arms. It was truly a blessing to be on the campus in the headquarters of Jack Daniels in the iconic Lynchburg, Tennessee area. Today's episode I'm excited about, if you guys pay attention to some of my, my you know, the, everything that I love in life, it's usually my family, my friends the outdoors, hunting and fishing, camping, stuff like that, cooking out, eating wild game, baseball, and wrestling. And when I say wrestling, I don't mean the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, which I did love, WWF, which became WWE when I was a kid, but I love college wrestling, traditional wrestling, freestyle wrestling, Olympic wrestling, and I have probably the all-around best wrestler in the country right now, in my opinion, the one that I like to watch the most. He's been here before. David Taylor, welcome back, my man. Yeah, thank you, Chad. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. That was a long list of things you like, you know? And rest, I mean, I, I wrestling, I don't know where that fits into that that category, but um, no, things things are going really well. I think I would like wrestling more if I would have been better at it. I just love watching it now. Yeah, Wrestling is one of those things where, you know, it's like, obviously it takes a lot of grit and determination and things aren't always easy. Um, but I feel like whether you've, you've had success in it or not, once you're a wrestler, you're always a wrestler and you can kind of, you know, understand and respect like kind of what goes into it. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough sport. You know, obviously, you know, obviously it's, I've, I've learned a lot of life lessons being involved in it since I was a young kid. I got to ask you this though. Um, do you ever, think about like how dominating it, 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 it looks from the outside watching you wrestle just now in Fort Worth in the Olympic trials, you're, you're shutting people out that are two time and three time NCAA champions. Uh, these guys are there for a reason. They're good world-class wrestlers and you're, you're teching them 11 to nothing. You take a Cornell two time NCAA champion and, and beat him for nothing. You, you, he, your defense is incredible. You're shooting at will. Um, there was a couple times in that match. Was it Dean? Was his last name Dean from Cornell? Yeah. There was a couple times where you had takedowns where I'm like, oh, he's got another one. And that guy, he just slipped out a little bit, whether it was an ankle pick or you were trying to get a single leg or something. But you're shutting guys out, Taylor. Is this, do you mainly think that this is because of your workout program and your tenacity to be able to just keep going and going and run people's gas tanks out? It's actually something new for me. Um, you know, I think, you know, dating back to, you know, I kind of, kind of really exploded on the senior circuit in 2017 and, and through my world championship in 2018, I, I predominantly, my big matches, I was losing and I would, I would get behind and I'd have to come back later in the match. And, and my gap, you know, my, you know, my gas tank, something that definitely favors me for sure. Um, but you know, then, then I tore my ACL in 2019, you know, I had a year to kind of completely rehab then COVID happened. So basically two full years, I haven't really competed. Um, and I wrestled a couple kind of exhibition matches, you know, during this year, that was kind of what we had in the wrestling community as we were getting ready for the Olympic trials. Um, 
But one of the things I really wanted to focus on was being more of a front runner, you know, being able to wrestle the big matches and be able to control it from whistle to whistle. My gas tank's always there. I can always score whatever I want. Um, you know, if I'm in a shootout, I can win a shootout. Um, but against the best opponents, not feeling like I have to get, you know, give them that early lead and have to come back. And I feel like that was one area that um, I've been working on. And, you know, I, I was able to put it on display and it, it, it kind of joking because, you know, people always kind of see me as this like huge point score you know, kind of like these like shootout matches in, in, in my biggest competitions and at the Olympic trials, you know, I outscored my opponents and I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've, I've never in my life blanked my opponents throughout a tournament. So, um, especially if something of that caliber. So that was something I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy for. And it just adds another, uh, dynamic to my, to my wrestling going into Tokyo. Um, Jaden did that kind of, uh, uh, pre COVID, right. The year before COVID didn't Jaden Cox have a run where he was shutting people out. Like he went through an entire tournament without getting scored on. Yeah. He's definitely known for that. He's got great defense. Um, and you know, that's something that he's, he's definitely known for. Why didn't he make, what, what happened to him in the Olympic trials? He didn't make weight. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, you know, to be at that level. Um, but you know, things happen and uh, he was late to wins. What was there? Was there a discussion that he was either going to go heavyweight or he wasn't there? Wasn't there a chance that he would be in one of two weight classes and he was, he might've been wrestling Snyder and he might've went, he might've went one, one leg up, one division up. No. So dating back, you know, he, so in, in, uh, in the Olympics, there's only six weight classes, um, and we're spread out, you know, 20, 25, 30 pounds in between each weight class, um, and non weight, non Olympic years, there's 10 weight classes. So, uh, he wrestled 92 kilos. So he was a tweener weight class, um, which is 202, uh, 202 pounds. And so he, during the Olympic year, he could have either came down to 86 kilos, which is my weight class, or he had to go up to 97 kilos, which is where Kyle Snyder is. He chose to go up. Um, but he's, that's his, you know, that he wouldn't have gone heavyweight, no heavyweights, you know, obviously too big, but 97 kilos was the weight that uh, he had planned on wrestling. And did he, did he, did he get heavier than that? Did he get in between 97 and heavyweight and he couldn't make 97 or he was too light? There's no such thing as too light, right? There's no such thing as too light. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not probably uh, educated enough to comment, you know, on, on where, where, where he was with his weight, but um, I think, uh, I mean, he had gone up, you know, 10 pounds from what his, his last time that he had competed. So, um, you know, I think that that weight class was, was a pretty good weight class for him. What if he comes down to David Taylor's weight division? Does this, does this change your tournament for you as far as your preparation, knowing that you're going to have to wrestle somebody like Jaden Cox because of what he, you know, he's been on a tear pretty good the last few years, or does it stay the same? Your mentality stays the same and the outcome's more than likely going to be the same. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, anytime I step on the mat, I feel like I'm going to win. So I, I, that doesn't change my perspective. And anytime you get a chance to wrestle the best guys, you welcome that, you know, as a competitor, you know, so, but, but he, you know, he announced early on that he was going up a weight class. Um, he, he could have come down. I think it would have been difficult for him to make the weight. Uh, it's cause we weigh in the day of, you know, we weigh in two hours before that we compete. So, you know, that, that definitely makes it challenging, um, that different dynamic, but yeah, I mean, it would, it would have changed, you know, preparation, you know, maybe to an extent, just because you kind of have to prepare for a guy like that. You know, he's, he's really unique. He's extremely gifted in what he can do and the way he can move his athleticism. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been exciting and I'm sure there's a good chance probability that we're going to wrestle sometime in the future, you know? So, um, yeah, he's, he's an amazing wrestler. He's one of the best in the world and maybe one of the best of all time wrestlers. 
At 30 years old, David Taylor, do you feel that you've hit your prime yet or do you think you're about to? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I've had to change my training a little bit, you know, since, uh, you know, really my last full year of training was in 2018, you know, like I said, cause you're being hurt and then and having COVID. Um, but, or not, I didn't have COVID, but during, during the COVID time when, when things were, were right. shut down, but it's hard to say. I mean, I feel great. You know, I feel, uh, when I step on the mat and I, I definitely feel, I feel stronger and I feel in better shape than anyone that I wrestle against. And I've always, my tech, my technique is always, has always been my, my strong suit, you know, to, to be able to have, um, those other two factors when I step on there, you know, I feel really good. You know, it's hard to predict, you know, where I'm going to be in the future or where I've been in the past, but right now I feel great. Um, just got to take it one match at a time, you know, and, uh, right now, the next thing for me is I wrestled the Pan Am championships, uh, May 30th. And that's kind of our tune-up event. Uh, and then the Olympic games, you know, I wrestle August 4th and 5th and I've wrestled everybody in the world over the last couple of years. So, um, no surprises in terms of the competitors I'll be competing against, but, um, they're going to be ready. You know, every country focuses their, their training cycle on the quad, you know, they go Olympics and they work backwards. So every single athlete in there will be, you know, in their prime, you know, peak and putting their best performance forward and, you know, myself included. So looking forward to that. And you, the last Pan Am Games, you won the gold, correct? Yeah. That was kind of your return tournament from your knee injury. Yeah, it was the, uh, there was the Pan Am Olympic qualifier. So, you know, one of the things that makes the Olympics a little bit tougher than a world championships is there's less competitors. So you have to actually qualify. In the world championships, you just say, see, any, any country can go compete. Um, as long as you can, you just have to participate in your continentals. So for example, a country, United States, if we just have a representative co compete at the Pan Ams, don't even have to medal or anything, then that country can send the, you know, the representative to the world championships and the Olympics, you have to qualify. So, um, each weight class have about 16 or 17 wrestlers. So the Pan Ams was, was our first, well, was the chance for our country to qualify. I went, I was able to make the finals, the top two, uh, qualified. And, uh, so that was the first step on the Olympic journey. Um, and right after that, I wrestled, I wrestled, uh, I think March 14th, I was a Sunday and March 15th was, was actually when the shutdown happened. We got across the Canadian border and that next Monday was when everything got shut down. So that was pretty wild. Wild. And you, it's tough for a competitor to not be able to compete. It's, it's that mindset that you have to keep training a guy of your caliber, you can't let up because as soon as it comes back in, you don't want to lose a step. Um, was it tough for you being as strong minded as you are and disciplined as you are? I'm talking the wrestler of the year twice in college at Penn state, multiple NCAA titles, world championships, Pan Am championships, Olympian. Does it get harder as you get older to stay fired up when you know you're not going to be in a tournament? Did you, did you get lazy at all during the pandemic, David Taylor? I uh, definitely not lazy. You know, that's not really something that's in my, my uh, repertoire when it comes to training, you know, and preparing, you know, I, I definitely feel like I dress it like a professional, you know, this is my job. This is the way my, I provide for my family, you know? So I look at COVID as a time where people could make two choices, right? You could focus and you can train or those people that, that sat around and, and didn't really focus and train. And that was a big difference. And for those that trained during that time, those that didn't, they can never make up that time. They can never make it up. You know, it was a huge difference. You know, you could see it in the people's shape and conditioning and the way their body looked. Um, you just can't get that back. You know, so I, I feel like during that time I, I improved, you know, I was still really hungry because I had just came back off my injury, you know, and I was like, man, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm ready to go train. But I would say, you know, 
I, I just went, I got a bunch of equipment and I put it in my garage and I was just training old school in my garage, you know, old weights, um, rackety like squat rack, you know, but I put in the time and I put in the work. So I knew that whenever we could get back on the mat, I was going to be in great shape and I would be ready to go. But what you said, one thing that was really hard for me is I get my confidence from competing. You know, I love to compete. I love to like train and I love to put that to a test and go out and wrestle the best people in the world and see where I'm at, you know? So that was hard. Since I was a young kid, I've been wrestling, you know, 30, 40, 50 matches a year, you know? And, um, and to now go where basically I went for a two year period, I wrestled four matches, you know, that was tough, but now, you know, getting past that, um, you'll be able to wrestle the Olympic trials. Now let's move forward. Now we're wrestling again, six weeks, wrestling Olympics, you know, then, uh, this year, the Olympics and the world championships are right back to back. So the Olympic games are in August, the world championships are in October. So I'm really kind of able to get back into that routine of competing and, um, you know, really looking forward to, to going out and wrestling, you know, that's going to be fun. Some guys that are listed on, on that short list of my personal favorites, but probably some of the best wrestlers in the world right now are, are Dake and Burroughs. You're a friend of both of these guys. You're a teammate of both of these guys. You've wrestled these guys. What was, what were you thinking? Um, were you cheering for one as opposed to the other? Was it weird to see Burroughs not make the team, even though you understand the game? Um, what was going through David Taylor's mind? What do you know during these matches? Do you even, does it even set in? Does it even see, do you even give it a chance to, to become part of your, your thought process or your psyche? Or are you just so geared on your matches? You don't even worry about what Dake and Burroughs are doing. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, I've been on the senior circuit since for nine years, you know, 2012 was the first time I wrestled in, in a senior trials. I was at the Olympic trials in 2012 and I didn't place. You know, and I think I've made the na- I've made the national team every year since 2013. Um, and uh, those guys are guys I've com- I competed against frequently during that period of time. You know, from 2012 through 2016, uh, you know, it was it you know it was constantly like I was I was behind Jordan and Kyle. You know, and I think, uh, but I look back at those times, and you know, I wouldn't be the wrestler I am now without having to go through adversity. If it was easy, and I just jumped right on the senior circuit. I just, I, w- I had a lot of flaws in my wrestling in areas that they, those guys exposed, you know? And I think when, when I went up weight class, I was able to really refocus. Um, and I'm much more complete wrestler now. So I, I thank those guys, you know, that's definitely part of my process of becoming the wrestler that I am now. Um, but, but I think when, when, when watching those guys wrestle, um, you know, they've, they've been wrestling against each other for a long time and you just know, you know, again, you as a teammate, you know, as like, Hey man, we're going to the Olympics together. You know, we want to go win Olympic gold medals. You feel great about either, either representative, you know, whoever makes the team. Um, I have a really close relationship with Kyle Dake. Um, you know, we've, we've, you know, we we're really good friends. Um, so obviously I'm super happy to see, to see him make the team. You know, he's come through a lot of adversity with injuries and, um, just handful of different things in his career. So, but at the same time, you know, it's, you know how much goes into it as a competitor uh, and to see Jordan, you know, being heartbroken and not making the team. Yeah. You feel for him, you know, it's, you, you provide for your family that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. And that's, this, what makes wrestling so hard. You, 
you just start wrestling when you're five years old, you know, and you're like, you know, what are your goals? And you're five. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I want to be a good wrestler. I want to beat most of the people, you know, I, I want to wrestle in high school. I'd like to get a scholarship in college. I mean, that's success, you know, and then anything you move past that, it's like, yeah, do I want to make a world team or be a world medalist? Fantastic. You know, Olympic, you know, that's the pinnacle, but you talk about that pool of wrestlers and at the Olympics, only six guys make the team only one per weight class, you know? So it's, it's like, and in the United States, it, we're so deep that we have multiple guys in each weight class that could go to the Olympics and win medals. So it's not, you know, it's not like uh, it's an easy process to make our team. Our team is really hard. You know, you just talk about, you know, Kyle, Jake, Jordan Burroughs and myself, we were in the same weight class for a long time. You know, all three of us are world champions, you know, all, potentially all three of us could be Olympic champions, you know? So it's, it, it, it's part of that process, you know, and I think going into the trials this year, you just, and I would say, I, you know, for myself, and I, I would say Kyle Dake can relate to this as well. You know, we've left those tournaments heartbroken a lot at, at the hands of Jordan, you know, he was able to kind of hold us off for a long time. So we felt what he felt like for a long time, you know, so we know what that feels like, you know, and Kyle and him have a, obviously a deep rivalry and you just have a lot of respect for them, you know, as, as much as obviously they prepared and they've made each other better. You know, um, when, when Kyle won, he was very gracious. Uh, you know, I, you know, he had some words for Jordan and just, he just kind of said, you know, how thanked him for how much he's pushed him during, during that period of time. And, you know, I think you gotta, res you gotta respect, there's no way around it. You got the two best guys in the world at one weight class, only one guy can go. Um, and, uh, but yeah, one Jordan said it for a long time, you know, for him, Jordan, it's his exact words. He said, you know, for me to achieve my dreams, I have to crush theirs, you know? So he knows it. he's been doing it for a long time. And that's just kind of part of the game. Is there anything that a person, you know, when you're a kid, your mom can walk up to you and say, Dave, don't worry about it. You had him. You'll get him next time. Pick your head up. You know, your coaches were always saying, hey, keep your head up, kid. Stay positive. Um, to become a champion, you have to face failure. You know, Michael Jordan made that very famous. Is there anything anybody can say to you, David Taylor? Or is there anything that somebody could have said to Jordan a couple weeks ago that takes the pain away? How do, how do you heal from that? Is it is it just time is going to heal that? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's I do. I do feel for Jordan a lot because it's, uh, it's so hard. You put, you put your heart, you put your time and effort, everything into that, you know, and uh, you know, to walk away from it and not being the guy good. Now you're, 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 you're a year away from another chance, you know, a year away for the next trials, you know, this year obviously is a little different because we have world championships in October, but typically it's, it's a whole year, you know, so you just, man. Um, and there, and you know, and, and in wrestling, you know, Jordan's, a little different, you know, he, he's, he's had so much success. I mean, he just for people that don't know Jordan, you know, he, he has rewritten the wrestling kind of expectation, you know, of greatness, you know, he's been on the team for a decade straight. Uh, he's won. Um, I think he's won four or five world championships an Olympic gold medal. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's the amount of success that he's had is unbelievable. So he's kind of set that standard of excellence where it's like, it's not like, yeah, winning one gold medal anymore is just kind of like, oh, he's a gold medalist. You know, this guy's won so many of them. So, you know, so we, we just, you know, we've all, he, he's kind of held people accountable, you know, during that time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. There's nothing you can really say, you know, it's just, you just gotta, you gotta kind of re revamp and, and refocus and, and figure out what's next. And, um, but it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough, just very humbling, you know, when, when you don't, 
when you lose to somebody in wrestling, because there's no one else to blame. There's no teammate. There's no person next to you. You know, we've all been through those times and, um, but we're all competitors because we hate to lose so much, you know, and stuff. I kind of feel like you're getting, you almost have this sense of emotion in your voice right now of how special it is to be the guy, but also how humbling this lifestyle and sport can be. It's almost like wrestling can literally set you up for anything life throws at you. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. There's, there's games out there that we play growing up. There's organized sports, there's competition, but I don't know if anything could prepare you for how emotional you just got talking like that. I know that in baseball, if you, if you strike out on, on Monday, three times, you can go back on Tuesday and have a chance to redeem yourself in wrestling. You just said it could be a year for Jordan to be back in another trials. And he's got it. He has to wear that. He has to live with that. He's, he's made the comment to achieve my dreams. I have to crush theirs. And now he has to make that mental, that mental um, decision, David Taylor, like, what do I do? Do I retire? Do I, do I gain a couple pounds and just live the normal dad bod life for a little bit? Do I get back at it and show the world that I can come back from adversity and a loss like this because I am Jordan Burroughs? And I would assume that if this, something like this happened to David Taylor, it's a decision that you have to make because it is your livelihood. It's how you put food on the table for your family. But man, to go through what you go through to get to that level, and then to be dropped off of the of the slate like that, there's a lot of decisions to be made. I don't know if anything else, any other game or sport can 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 prepare you for the peaks and valleys of life like wrestling can. Does that question make sense or that comment make sense to you? Yeah, and it's definitely deep. You know, I think it's it's hard because you know wrestling's not that glamorous lifestyle. You know, like there's a there's just not, there's, there's more, uh, you know, in the economy of wrestling, it's becoming more and more. Um, but you know, there's just, there's not a lot of guys that are living like these great lives where it's like, yeah, you know, you're, you make the NFL, you're making, you know, five, six million, million dollars, you know, and you put that money in the bank four or five years, you know, you're, you're kind of set, you know, that's in wrestling. It's like, just to put it in perspective, if you're the number one guy, on the national team. We talked about that. So like we just made the team, right? So there's six guys. That's it. That are on the Olympic team this year. If you're the number one guy. You get a thousand dollars a month from us to wrestling. So, I mean, if you're, if there's so like second is like 600 bucks. Third is like $200. So it's literally like wrestling back for third place is on hundred percent pride. Cause there's no incentive. There's no monetary incentive to get third place, you know? And, and I, but I, I'm emotional because, you know, like I said, I started in 2012 and, and I've been very successful my entire life in the sport of wrestling. I've wrestled, but I've, I, I was in the finals almost every tournament I wrestled in until I think maybe like 2012 Olympic trials. And I was in the backside of the bracket. That was the first time I'd wrestled a consolation match in since I was a young kid, eight years old, you know, but in that period of time where, where I was at my best, right. Where I felt like I was the best wrestler I was. I wrestled more consolation matches in 2012, 13, 14, 15 and 16, five consecutive years. I wasn't in the finals. I was wrestling consolation matches for pride to come back and get third place, you know, and it's, it's hard, but that those, they, they mold you, you know, in 2017, I, I, I made the finals. I lost a heartbreaking two out of three to Jaden Cox, um, where I, you know, I 
I felt like Jaden and I both could have represented it and won a world championship that year. I finally made the team in 2018. So seven years after I started, I made my first team. I was a world champion. Then I felt like I was on, I was like, man, I'm set. I'm set to be moving forward. I finally kind of got to where I want to be. I can start winning world championships where I feel like I can really kind of reach my potential. I tore my ACL is out 2019, lose 2020 to COVID. Now we're coming back 2021. And I'm four, I'm three or four years older than I was at that point period of time, you know? So when we're talking through that, like I've experienced more of that kind of heartbreak over that period of time when I didn't get, I didn't go wrestle. And it's, it, it's no one except myself, right? I'm hundred percent accountable to those matches that I won, those matches that I lost. Um, but the, I think I built a lot of character and this year going into the Olympic trials, I remember in 2016, you know, going to Olympic trials and I had just gone up a weight class. So I went from 74 kilos to 86 kilos. So, you know, it was 163 pounds, 189 pounds. So it was a 26 pound jump. And I had had like very inconsistent results that year. Um, you know, I, I lost a couple of times. Um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in my conditioning. Um, cause I was carrying 26, I mean, I put 26 pounds in my backpack and I'm trying to function at the same level. I've been functioning my whole life, you know, it was challenging. So going to Olympic trials, like I've had this dream of being an Olympic champion forever. And I said it, but I didn't truly believe it. And I knew going into the tournament, like I didn't really believe I was going to win. Um, as much as I said, yeah, I want to be Olympics. I'm excited. It's Olympic trials, you know? Um, but I had all this anxiety cause I really, I didn't, I knew it probably wasn't going to happen. And I remember getting ready for the tournament preparing and I had all this build up motion. I was just crying, crying because like, I, I knew that all that work that I put in, I just didn't probably think I was going to probably win. I, and if I, I just didn't think I was going to be Olympic champion. I, as much as I said, it, I just didn't think I was prepared at the time and I lost I came back and got third. I beat a couple of guys I'd never beat before. It's like, great. I'm third in Olympic trials. You know, what's next? And um, there's really, it's like, there's nothing next. So there's no financial incentive for being third place in Olympic trials. And, uh, but by that year, our Olympic coach, he wanted to bring me as a training partner to the Olympic games in Rio. You know, it's almost like, it's such a humbling experience. Like I'm used to being the best guy everywhere I've been. And now I'm gonna go as a training partner. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around that. But people are like, no, it's a really good experience. You should go. You know, you can kind of see the Olympics. You can just go. And I'm like, okay. So I went um, and I was actually Jaden Cox's training partner that year. And he was an Olympic bronze medalist in 2016. So I trained with him all summer to help him prepare. And basically my job was just whatever feel he needed. You know, if I need to feel, if I had to be like a certain guy or give him a feel based on a certain opponent, you know, whatever he needed, I was just there for him, you know, and um but it was one of the best things that ever could happen because I, it was a, I had no expectation. It took all that pressure. I wasn't going to the Olympics. I was a training partner and I was able to just wrestle for the first time in three or four years and just get better and focus on just getting better at wrestling, you know? And I think that was a huge change for me. So going, you know, using that experience, you know, moving forward of all those Olympic trials, nine years in a row, or trials, world Olympic trials for nine, 10 years this year, 2021, you know, uh, going into it, I was a complete piece. I know I put in all the work. I was hundred percent prepared. I was going to win or I was going to lose, you know? And I felt like I could hundred percent control that, 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 that dynamic. And, uh, and I was able to wrestle super calm. I think I performed really well. And without that adversity and understanding, like you're not in it for the money, you're not winning for the money. You're doing it out of pride and out of purely like, this is what I want. I want to be the best in the world. I want to be an Olympic champion, but I can't do those things if I don't make the team. I have to make the team first. Once they make the team, I can focus on being an Olympic champion, you know? And um, so that's good. I feel so rewarded 
you know, because I've gone through a lot of adversity, you know, over the last 10 years to try and get to that point. And now I still feel the same piece. I put in, I know I put in more work, time, dedication, and commitment than anybody in the whole world, regardless of weight class. And I can go compete a piece, you know, and have a chance to go fulfill that dream. You made a comment in there about um, kind of being relaxed and the energy that goes in and the kind of the mindset. Explain your mindset to me real quick, David Taylor, because what I saw in Fort Worth was you had opponents that literally put their toe on the line and they're watching you kind of like a weigh in at UFC or like when Mike Tyson would come out and he would like beat his opponent before the bell even went off just by looking at him when the referee had him in the middle of the ring. Why do you stay back and pace and keep and, and, and expand energy or exert energy and let and not stay? It doesn't look like you're relaxed, even though I would bet a million dollars that you are and you're ready as heck because you prove it as soon as the go time's there. But why don't you just walk up and look at your opponent and try to intimidate him? Or is that been your style your entire career to stay back and pace until that ref says, get to the line and get ready for me to say wrestle? Yeah, I mean, you... <clears throat> you develop those things at a young age, you know? So I, I have a wrestling club here, you know, and I, you know, we have kids of, of all, of all ages, skill level. And, you know, I, my, I look back on my, my career growing up. It's like how many youth wrestlers are still doing it now? You know, not a ton, you know, a lot of those guys kind of fizzle out, but you learn so much experience. You, the, the, the big matches, the preparation, it's the same, you know, my, my warm up has been the same since I was, since I can remember, you know, you just do that. I always pace back and forth. I put my hands on my knees. I kind of like shake my legs out, but my style and what I bring in six minutes, that's, that's enough for my opponents. They know what's coming. So me staring at them or looking at them or whatever, that's not going to change. They know when the whistle blows, they know what's coming. I'm going to wrestle hard for six minutes. I can score offensively. I can score defensively and I'm going to put them in a lot of situations that they're not comfortable in, you know? So I know that. So when I'm pacing back and forth, I'm just, you know, I have a couple of things that I kind of recite to myself that just gets me ready to go, keeps me focused in the moment. When the whistle blows, I know exactly what I'm going to go do, and I just go and implement it. When you say that you know exactly what you're going to do, David Taylor, and you're going to go implement it, what I also noticed is how keen your counters are. And there was there was comments made by the announcers during your matches of – how quick you are to get a leg in to stop something or it's almost like you notice something or you've practiced so much that you know exactly what your muscle memory needs to do it's like you don't even like make your leg do it it just does it on its own right and it goes in there and it stops this guy from advancing on you um this is this is a big part of the ability to shut people out and when you see zeros across the board in a tournament a high caliber tournament like the olympic trials there's something going on uh, as far as being able to counter and being a good defensive wrestler. You, if you talk to somebody about David Taylor, they're like, Oh, he's my favorite offensive wrestler to watch. He's just go from the beginning. He doesn't stop. You just made mention of it. Your opponent knows what's getting ready to happen, but do they truly understand how good you are at stopping everything? They just practice for months leading up to that match. Like literally you stop everything. It's like something's going down a track and you just take a stake and put it in there and stop the track and the production line right there. And it's got to mentally wear on these folks to see you be able to stop their every move. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, 
there's a lot of, of just confidence in positions, you know, and I, uh, I wrestle in a lot of positions. Like I said, I wrestle in, in a lot more positions than most wrestlers do. You, you know, like we all have our positions that we're really comfortable in, you know, where it's like, it's like, you know, you, you, you get to the top of the key and you have your jump shot, you know, basketball players have practiced that over and over and over and over again. They know what's going to happen before it happens. You know, it's, so we have those areas. Um, I just have a very wide variety of those, you know, that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, I feel pretty comfortable. I can wrestle in or out of almost any wrestling position, you know, and I, I try And one area that I've improved a lot as I've you know gotten older, I used to be more like wow, wow, West, where it's like, all right, you can have your best position and then let's wrestle from here. You might score, but I'll score back. Now I've learned, okay, well, I'm not even, I don't even want to let you get to your best position and I'm going to just continue to pepper you with my best positions. You know, and if we end up getting another one, I'm going to wrestle to a position that I feel I'm really confident in and I, not to steal me, but I feel like I can win that position. So, you know, it definitely takes a lot of time and confidence. And, um, but you know, that's just, I think what makes me unique as a wrestler, you know, I, I can, I, I am good offensively and defensively, and, and I'm going to challenge my opponents, uh, in many positions. When you, when you say many positions, do you have a a personal coach? Like you have a wrestling club that you work with, you know, younger wrestlers, but is it all on you now? I know that there is an Olympic coach and we'll talk about him in a second, but what's being taught at this level, David Taylor, do you have a coach that you consistently work with that is teaching you at this level? Is there anything left to learn for somebody like you that has seen it all and been there done that? And trust me, I get it. You, you got to have a mentor. You got to have a conditioning coach. You got to have a weightlifting coach. You got to have a nutritionist. You got to have all these people on your team to make the David Taylor machine go. I get that. But is there really a wrestling coach that's sitting there and go, David, if this happens in this match, you're going to do this. And your, your high crotch looks a little sloppy right now, or you're not, you're not shooting right. Like, is that happening at this stage in your career? Yeah, it does. You know, so I'm, um, and everyone's a little different, but so I train here in the Nittany Line Wrestling Club. Um, and we have seven Olympians going to the, going to the Olympics this year, seven. Um, so it's, you know, we have a, a very high level caliber of training here and we have great partners. Um, you know, our coach, you know, Kale Sanderson's the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, he's the guy I looked up to, you know, he's our head coach. Um, kind of my personal coach for the last decade has been Casey Cunningham. You know, he's a guy I've spent a lot of time with because, um, you know, we were around the same weight class and he's the guy that travels with me all over the world. Every tournament I've been to a big tournament, uh, Casey's with me, you know, so, um, you know, Cody Sanderson, Jake Varner. Um, so we have a lot of great coaches here and there's so many resources where, I mean, you can, you can ask a question in and out, you know, and I, I feel pretty confident in a lot of areas, but it continues to evolve. You know, when you have the kind of, we got London back here pushing, this is my daughter. Hi, London. She, this is my wife. Hi. She's pushing the laundry basket. That's awesome. Um, but you have, uh, when you have that type of talent in our room, you know, knowledge, you know, yeah. Okay. Maybe a is the technique, but we're at like F Z, you know, it's evolved so much because, you know, we do it and then you learn how to counter it. You learn how to counter it and you learn how to wrestle and you expand it. So, you know, it's like what most people are doing around the world in a certain area where I feel multiple steps ahead because we are learning constantly and we're all so competitive. We, we won't want to just like learn that position and be done, you know? And, uh, 
so it evolves constantly. And then there's just always like your repetition stuff, you know, and, um, you know, that's where, you know, I make an effort as I'm getting close to competition coming with, with coach Casey and, you know, we, we go through some areas, but it's just, even with coach kale, you know, it's like for him and I, it's much more of like subtle stuff. So Casey, I'm very hands-on, you know, we're working, talking through stuff, coach kale. It's just like, we're wrestling. He's like, Hey, let's try maybe grabbing, you do grabbing the elbow here. And it's more on passing, passing where he's maybe thinking about it. And he just kind of lets me know. And, and it doesn't take a lot, you know, I'm like, and it reminds me. So just, I was wrestling with coach kale the week of the Olympic trials. Um, and, you know, we wrestled three or four times that week and just from wrestling with him over, we just, just the feel of feeling what he was doing, you know, as we were wrestling was, I was still learning, you know, I was still learning. I remember just one specific area we were in. Um, and I was asking like, if my elbow was up here or down here, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I think up, you know, and I was able to implement that multiple times in my matches. Um, just, you know, 24 hours, 12 hours before I competed. So, so it, uh, it's exciting. I'm very grateful to be here with so many wrestling, so much wrestling knowledge. And I've always been kind of, I've always been a sponge and I'm really competitive and I want to win. So, you know, I just, I'm always trying to like continue to get better. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that without my coaches and my training environment here. When you make a comment that Kel Sanderson is the greatest wrestler of all time, Will you please give me the reasoning for this, David Taylor? Is it his accolades? Is it his mindset? Did he prove it with his NCAA titles and his Olympic appearances, his record, his style? What? Because there's a lot of different styles. You've already admitted that. Are you more partial to his style, and that's what makes him your favorite wrestler of all time? But you didn't say that. You said he's the best of all the time of all time in your opinion, not just your favorite, the best. What makes Kel Sanderson the best of all time? Well, I mean, I, I, as a kid, you know, just he, he changed the game, you know. So, so for people that, that don't maybe follow wrestling, you know, if you watch a, a college match, you know, in Subway Finals, it's like three to two, not much happens. There's like one exchange. So as a kid, you know, I'm eight years old and I'm trying to figure out what my wrestling style is going to be and who I want to wrestle. So I'm watching the Subway Finals. And Kale's dominating people. He's just letting it rip, wrestling, scrambling, scoring 20 points in the national finals. I'm like, dang, that's the guy I want to wrestle like. You know, so I, I looked up to him and tried to emulate his style from a young age. So that impact indirectly with me, you know, was really the reason I wrestle the way that I do. You know, so my, my standard was what his was. I'm like, I want to dominate people. I don't want to win by one or two points. I want to dominate people. You know, so I think that for one, you know, being a four-time national champion undefeated, I mean, going through that process, you know, like I was a four-time finalist. I lost twice in the finals. And I mean, I was, I was a good wrestler, you know, but I wasn't able to win four, you know, for him, just the ability to be able to win all four is only been three people, four people in the history of our sport that have done that. Um, so, I mean, and he did it undefeated. He never lost a single match, then won the Olympics 2004, um, right out of college. And I think, if wrestling was different now, he would have kept wrestling. You know, I think back then there really wasn't a lot of support. You know, the next thing you do is you just kind of coach in college and he had so much success, but he could have won forever. I mean, he could have won forever and, and still to this day, I mean, he just comes in and he's still one off. I think he could beat anybody in the world in one match. I was just going to ask you that. You think Kel Sanderson could have made the Olympic team this year? Well, I mean, he's ever between training and wrestling, you know, but I think in one match, if you had his eight, Okay, we're gonna go six minutes. I think he could beat anybody in six minutes. You anybody, know? like anybody, as in every weight division. 
I think so. Wow. I think so. You know, I mean, he's, you know, so you, that's the kind of caliber he is, you know, and he's just such a humble person that, uh, you know, he's just kind of, he's very reserved, you know? Um, but I see him in the day I've seen him for every time, you know, and I just, he's, he's just very special, very special. And then just the way that he can wrestle. I mean, you talk, like I talk about how I can wrestle in and out of every position and he, he is the one that can do that better than anybody, you know? So it's just to have that experience, you know, and then just the way he's a leader, you know, he's from a college program, you know, he's won eight national championships as a collegiate coach. So he's been, he's able to do it as a, as an athlete, he can do it as a coach, you know, he can share that information. Um, so I think that's what makes him so special. So to have him obviously as a leader here, you know, it's just, it's a trickle down effect. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a really special person and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he talking about, he just has set the standard, you know, for me too, specifically from a wrestling style, from a wrestling style, he, he's had the big, biggest impact on me. Is he intimidating at all? Do you, is there anybody oh, yeah. like like intimidating because you know what he did? Or when you stand on a mat with him right now, do you go like, "Holy geez, this guy, this guy's intimidating"? Oh no, I mean I'm not intimidated by him anymore, you know, because I've been around him for so long. When it comes to wrestling, you know, obviously when when it comes to you know if Kale's mad at you, yeah, I mean that's intimidating. You know, he's got this like ferocious stare uh, that you don't want to. You know, when he comes into practice with that, you're like, oh boy. So you know, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, but yeah, he's just, he just has that presence, you know, that expectation and, um, you know, just do the right thing, you know, and, uh, he's just, he doesn't have to say it. You just know when you're on kale, you just, you just, you just do the right stuff, you know? And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's, he's an, he's a very impressive person. That's really cool to hear you say that because I think that if you, if you think about whether it's boxing, you have Floyd Mayweather that's undefeated, but most boxers have losses on their records. All MMA fighters have losses on their records, except maybe another college wrestler that has a career that's kind of questionable in the MMA is John Jones that has one loss due to illegal elbows against another wrestler, Matt Hamill, and he was disqualified for those illegal elbows. That's his only loss. But to say that somebody went four years at that caliber, at you know, to, to never lose in college, that's incredible. I don't know if it'll ever be done again. Do you think – I know that there are records that people are like, that'll never be broke, like Cal Ripken's baseball record, the Ironman record of playing over 2,000 games in a row, um, Will Barry Bonds' home run record. Well, that might be broke, but there's an asterisk by it when he broke Hank Aaron's. But a lot of people have, have their records that they say will never be broke. Is that one that will never be broke, David Taylor? I don't think so. I just think, um, you know, I think as, as time's gone on too, you know, there's so much development. The kids are so good now, like the expectation, you know, over the last decade, it was, you know, prior to the last 10 years of college wrestling, it's like, yeah, I think I can win a national championship, you know, as junior or senior, you know, in college, you know, it's like, if I'm like all American a couple of times and I could win later, that would be great. The expectations changed, you know, people come in, like there's so much private training and specialization at a young age, people are preparing to win nationals as freshmen. So you're talking about like that skill level guy that's also been in college for now four years and you always have the next guy coming in. So I just think it's so deep. Um, you know, the, the problem, I think it's really unlikely that anyone will go undefeated um, in the future. And, and also now with, with the media attention as well, 
you'd have to have amazing guidance. You know, you'd have to, you really, the only way that you, if you've ever won go undefeated, you'd have to be under Kale Sanderson because of his understanding of guidance of how to deal with that kind of stuff. I don't think anyone, any other program would be able to do that because of just the media attention and the pressure that would be put on that kid of excellence. You know, if that was an undefeated freshman, you know, like, wow, can that kid do that three more years? You could do it at Penn state, but you, I don't think you could do it anywhere else. If there was a kid that could do it. Wow. So you're putting that program on a different level. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what coaches do here, you know, the program, um, the, the performance at big tournaments, I mean, this year at the nationals, I mean, we had four new national champions four four, so almost half the weight classes. We had four national champions at 10 weights, you know, and, um, we've done that handful of times. I think a couple of years ago, we had five national champions, half the weight classes were five, five national champions from Penn state. So, the, the coach, the, the record of, of Penn State guys in semifinals and, and finals appearances is unbelievable. It's like very minimal losses, almost all wins. So, you know, just Coach Kale and staff, you know, uh, you know, Coach Casey, Cody, Warner, they just, they just, they can take the best kids and they can make them better, you know, and uh, they can, it's just a special, it's a special program. And like I said, you know, we have seven Olympians. So we have a lot of high level excellence around this program of guys that have, have been winners their whole life. And that just is contagious. That, that atmosphere is contagious. So, um, yeah, it's pretty special. Um, there's been fighters throughout the existence of, of the, the fight game that have fought into their forties. They've come back. There's been guys like Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture in MMA that fought into their 40s. Several other ones. Dan Henderson, great college wrestler, Oklahoma State. But um, Kel Sanderson is only 41 years old. My question to you, David Taylor, of knowing him the way you do and respecting him, obviously, the way you do, do you think he's okay with just running the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club and being the head coach at Penn State and 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 teaching these kids that are coming up as a 18-year-old kid and then younger than that in the Nittany Wrestling the Nittany Lion Wrestling program or do you think it eats at him that he doesn't put that singlet on there and go out and compete anymore because once you're a wrestler you're always a wrestler and the biggest part of being a wrestler is competitor when that competition stops it's eat, it eats at you. It's got to. That's why people always come back in the fight game because they can't sit out. Is it eating at him? You think if you had to guess, is it hard for him to sit idle or do you think he's sitting there going, what if, what if I just put it on and I come back one more time? Well, I mean, he's a competitor, you know? So, I mean, I think, I think he probably, but, but he wrestles with us all the time. You know, I mean, talking about, you know, Kyle Snyder at 97 kilos, myself, 86 kilos, you know, like we have multiple good heavyweights, um, Greg Kirkwood, um, Anthony Kassar, um, you know, so he's, he, those weight classes, I mean, he's wrestling the best guys, you know? So I think, you know, he's helping, he's definitely continuing to help us. I don't know. I, I can't speak for him, you know, by any means, but I think, uh, I think he enjoys, um, you know, people seeing success. You know, I, I, I remember a couple of times when, like when you're at like a national tournament, right. There's, there's, there's guys that are cheap or the Olympics or world champion, whatever the biggest event is, you know, when you're there, you know, you're going to have athletes that are going to reach their pentacle goal and they're going to, and you have guys that aren't going to maybe make their, you're not going to fulfill that, you know? And it just, it, I know, 
you know, it's really upsetting. You know, like it's hard for him when guys don't achieve their goals. You know, he feels for him because he cares. He's so passionate about his athletes. You know, you can see that in his facial expressions and how much he cares about each and every athlete that he has, you know? So I think he really enjoys that, you know, kind of helping guys kind of continue to move forward. You know, I can, I can attest for that just from my relationship with him, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, when I've lost, I mean, he, it's like, he's lost too. You know, because I've been with him since the beginning. I was his very first recruiting class, you know, and I've been through this whole process with the nationals, you know, going through, you know, making the Olympic team, you know, trying to reach his pinnacle uh, thing. So I was, I was his first team that he had, and, you know, we've been together for that long period of time. And I've always, he's like a big brother to me, you know, I think when we, it's, that's the kind of relationship that we have. And um, I would say that, uh, yeah. I mean, when I've lost, it's like, he's lost too, you know? So he cares a lot about his guys. And, uh, that's again, I don't think you get a lot of head coaches or people in that, that type of program that feel that way, you know? And I know he feels for every single person. Did he come to your house to recruit you like they show in the movies or did you go on a recruiting trip to Penn state campus or both? Uh, house. How yeah. cool was that? How cool was that to have your mom and dad sitting there with you and watching him walk in and sit down at your kitchen table and, and talk to you about wanting you to come to Penn state? Well, I've known the Sanderson's for a long time. So I used to live in Wyoming and my, my, my family, my dad, my mom used to drive me over the border into Utah a lot to wrestle. And one of the first places I went was to uh, Wasatch high school, which is where the Sanderson's went to high school. So his dad, Steve, was one of my first coaches. Um, you know, Kale at the time was, uh, he was a redshirt freshman at Iowa state. So, you know, I remember him kind of at that young age. So as he became better and kind of became like, you know, the guy that was doing like the celebrity appearances at tournaments, I was a little kid. So I used to go up to him and, you know, like talk to him. And I don't know if you really remember me or not, but I thought it was cool. thing. like, guys come with me. Listen, Kale's my friend. Let's go, let's go talk to him, you know, and, uh, you know, get your autograph and, and whatever. But he, you know, so he kind of followed my whole career and, um, so when he came, you know, I'd already known him, you know, I, I'd spent a lot of time around them for a long time. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, obviously I, I knew when I went to college that I knew that just knowing that my style and going to the next level, I, I could have been good wherever I went, but I knew Kale could make me the best. I knew that his coaching staff could take me to a new level. They could make me a better wrestler than what I was. And it's been true. His best decision I ever made was following coach Kale and their staff and, and spending my time, my t- to paying my dues, you know, to be here. And uh, now I'm in a position to reach the pinnacle of wrestling. You know, it's going to be a lot of hard work, but with no doubt with their guidance and then by my side, I can be able to do it. You're you have the potential to reach the pinnacle you're going to wrestle in the pan am games in may you're going to wrestle in the olympics in august you're going to represent the united states of america in the oldest olympic sport of all time which was a disgrace to see them even think about taking it out of the olympics which that discussion should have never ever came up we can all agree on that a simple question though is can you give the listeners an idea of the the nutritional part of the game is david taylor a disciplined eater or did you wake up today and eat biscuits and gravy knowing that you're a month out at least a month out from the pan ams can you eat biscuits and gravy david taylor because you burn so many calories in a day 
or is that a is that a no no at all right now at this time in your career? Is there is such thing as a quote unquote cheat meal at this time in your career, or is everything down to the T as far as your macros, your micros, your caloric intake, your carbs, your fats, your proteins? Is it really scientific right now? Yeah, no. I mean, I, as earlier in my career, I I didn't think that your diet really mattered, you know, and my performance at the highest level was inconsistent, you know, and over the last, you know, five years, six years of my life, you know, my nutrition is hand in hand with my performance, you know, and, um, I started working with, with Sam Calvita in the training lab in 2000 fall, 2015, you know, and coach Cal, uh, really can change my life, my trajectory of my career, you know, and just my, my body and how it performs, um, how it feels, you know, I had so much inflammation, my back and my neck were a mess. I was seriously considering being done with wrestling in 2015. Cause I was in so much pain. I just didn't enjoy it anymore. And I started seeing coach cow and I was able to put on muscle mass and, 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 and real strength. And, uh, and also treat my body better. You know, even Ferrari, you don't put crap gas into it. You know, you got to put the best quality you possibly can to get ultimate performance, you know, and coach cow helped me understand that. So, yeah, my nutrition is, is super dialed in. You know, I would, I'm, I'm probably the most disciplined in that area, you know, of, of probably anybody, you know, and, uh, cause I know how I feel and I know the difference. So, you know, but that, that's credit to my wife for sure. You know, cause you know, she's always kind of keeping me on track, helping me stay, uh, I wouldn't say disciplined. Like it's easy for me to stay disciplined. Cause I know I'm disciplined the success that I can have, but she's the one that's doing all the cooking, you know, and preparation and, and stuff like that and that, to kind of help, help me in that area. But yeah, it's super dialed in. So she kind of knew what she was getting into with dating you and then saying, yes, I do saying yes to the engagement. And then I do at the wedding, because I would assume that being married to a wrestler, it has the tendency to be so, like organized so like down to a t to where you can't just go out on a saturday night and go have some drinks and go dance until three in the morning because you got to stay you got to keep that regimen going um how much how much has it changed her life knowing that she's got to be on that regimented discipline with you and the cooking and the nutrition or did she already have that mindset and that's what attracted you two together in the first place um I don't think she quite knew, you know, like what, what, what it was going to be, you know, my wife wrestled when she was younger, you know, so she's been around wrestling for a long time. Um, but at the time when we were dating, I, I wasn't that serious about that kind of stuff. You know, I wasn't, I always just, I was I, nutrition diet. Wasn't, wasn't a big priority for me. Uh, but quickly after that, you know, it really did. So she wants me to be successful. You know, she, it's a, it's a family. It's not just my, it's not my commitment. It's not, it's not just my dedication and, and, uh, you know, sacrifice. It's my wife's more than anyone, you know, like, yeah, you can't live a normal lifestyle. You can't go out to eat. You can't go, you know, do stuff all the time. You know, just go on vacations whenever you want to, you know, it's, it's a tough, you can, you can do that, but you won't win. You know, you won't win. Not that level. You know, you, you need the 1%. You need that. And that, that stuff, when you talk about being at peace, when you compete, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not just my commitment. It's a family commitment, you know? And, and uh, so it takes, it takes an amazing supportive wife, you know, to do this with me, you know, to have that journey, you know, be able to make it a reality. So, um, she's an amazing, she's an amazing woman. You know, I'm very, very blessed. That's awesome to hear. And I know that we're coming to an end. I want to do this again after the Pan Ams. 
celebrate your championship there and talk wrestling going into the Olympics. Um, I just have one more question for you. Do you get nervous, David Taylor? Is it impossible to say that fighters and wrestlers don't get nervous before a match? Or are you so ready and hungry that nervous is gone at this point in your career? No, I mean, nerves are good, man. That means your body's ready to go out there and scrap. So, yeah, I get nervous for sure. You know, but that nerves is good. It's excitement. It's your body, like, ready to go to battle. You know, you put what you all that hard work to test. You know, it, it, in the times that I haven't been a little nervous, that's when I perform my worst because you're just like, you're, you, you don't care. You're careless, you know. But when you have that little bit, a little heightened, you know, the hair on the back of your neck standing up, you're ready to go out there and that was first whistle blows. But then it goes away. You know, you're ready to get after it. You know, and now you just got six minutes, wrestle the hardest six minutes of your life and then move on to the next match. So it's all part of the process. I'm going to let you go, but I got to know this, David Taylor, you're driving through Iowa's probably known for the wrestling state in the country. At least when I was growing up, you always heard of the, uh, of Iowa. You always heard of Dan Gable. You always heard of how big it was. It's always been big in Pennsylvania and other States in that part of the country, Michigan, other areas. Give me the David Taylor you're driving through Iowa and you see this sign that says the new wrestling Mount Rushmore. We know the real Mount Rushmore of the presidents is in South Dakota, but now they're going to make a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers in the state of Iowa. And you're going to go look at it because you were the one that was able to pick the wrestlers to be on it. Who's on that Mount Rushmore. Can you even, can you even narrow them down? What is that? Four? Yeah. Four. 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 Oh boy. Um, I know one of them for sure. We already know one of them. Yeah, Coach Kale for sure. Oh, um, why you're thinking? It, I'm just going to ask you questions to see. Would John Smith be on there? Yeah, Coach Kale, John Smith. Um, would Dan Gable be on there? Dan Gable for sure. That's three, four. Okay, those are my three that I would have on mine. The fourth one is hard for me too. Yeah, fourth one's tough. You know, I there's so many quality competitors. I would say maybe for the impact of the sport, maybe you think Dave Schultz right now. Dave you know, Schultz. because of you know, I think maybe you know his life was taken a little before. Maybe uh, he could have continued to achieve what he did, but anyone he just trying to change the sport the way that he was and the impact that he had still to this day. You know, so very well respected. You know, he he might be number four. Jordan's um, not on there yet. Jordan's still competing. You know, I, I think he's still competing. You know, I, obviously if he decided he was done, yeah, I think he'd be up there. You know, I, I, he, I was thinking between Jordan and, and Schultz. Those are the two guys. And I, I lean Schultz just because he's, you know, obviously he, he's done wrestler, you know, Jordan still, he still can add to what he's doing, you know? Um, but you know, maybe, maybe, uh, He's probably really he's he's close. He's, you have the brand brother. You have the brand brothers. You have McElravey. You have a lot of there. I can name a lot of wrestlers. You could name a lot more. Give me one before I let you go, David Taylor. Give me the one wrestler that you would love to wrestle that you haven't had the chance to, or you might never be able to in the history of the game. I think Sajulaya from Russia. You know, Sajulaya. I think if I ever had a chance, you know, I just he he's the king. He's the pound for pound right now. You know, and uh, if I have the opportunity to wrestle him, I think that would be a fun match. 
I love it, man. I, I'm so, uh, I don't know if it's humbling to have you on here because I think humility comes in a lot bigger forms and I'm teaching myself that I'm learning that in my life that you hear people say, well, that humbled me or, you know, it's so humbling to get to go on a turkey hunt. And I think that there's, there's different ways to look at that, but having you on here means the world to me because like you are literally the top of the top right now in the hardest game in the world. Like if you want to be a good UFC champion, it used to be the Gracie's and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then you know you got your guys that have good stand-up and good submissions but if you don't have a wrestling base you're probably not going to go very far in the mma game I, I don't know if rogan would agree with that but i think he would with his respect for wrestlers and the top wrestler the top fighters in the game are all wrestler based but to have you on here david taylor and to know what you're getting ready to do in the pan ams and the olympics thank you very much good luck to you i know i know it's going to be awesome results because of your mindset. It's an amazing mindset to learn more and more about. And man, I wish you the best of luck. And I truly appreciate having you on. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate it. Looking forward to come back. And I do want to roll with you one day. I just, not that I could ever even get, get in on you. I, and I, and I'm not a wrestler by any means compared to you, but I just would like to tell somebody like, yeah, I wrestled David Taylor. I scrapped with David Taylor and, uh, I, I scored on David Taylor. Maybe I'll even, maybe I'll even pin David Taylor. Don't laugh at me, David Taylor. I see you laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> you the man, brother. I appreciate y'all be in touch and we'll get another one on the books. That's David Taylor. My favorite wrestler in the world. You can't say he's the best right now, but he will be on that Mount Rushmore one day. Mark my words. That's This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Please support the partners and sponsors that support us. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you going to do when the money's all gone